Are emotions logical? Welcome everybody in this episode. We're going to be talking about the question, are emotions logical? Um, because there's been some new information about this coming to all of us here. And, uh, I've been thinking about it a little bit and decided to talk a little bit about this. In uh, a way that you can understand the situation that we have going on here. So, it's the question, are emotions logical? Are they logical? Most people would say no. Because most people don't understand the inner structure of emotions and how emotions work and why emotions are doing what they're doing. Um, But I've explained the structure of emotions. And I might make a deeper episode about the structure of emotions and what they really represent. Ultimately, what they represent are are needs, but that's a different episode. Um... And so, to be completely clear, emotions are actually pretty logical, meaning that there ex- actually is a a, uh, a sort of logical framework underpinning emotions. That doesn't mean that emotions are uh, go, uh, necessarily the best solution to be you know going into like where you you know express your emotions in certain unhealthy patterns or whatever. Um, there's a certain idea almost with with that lo- with logic, uh, almost a kind of like a uh, that's what I'm looking for, and uh, infallibility that ca- that comes with logic almost. You can almost you can almost t- see this with people with logic and and stuff like this, and that's not at all what is true. And there's actually something called the fallacy fallacy, which is basically where you dismiss somebody's argument because it's based on the fallacies, um, rather than looking at it and, and whatnot. Um, which is why it's important to question your own assumptions. I think it's more important to question your own assumptions than it is to question other people's um, assumptions. Question your own understandings. Because in doing this, you start to realize the um, true power that uh, understandings, insights, and assumptions and whatnot have over you and, and, and over your mind. I want to actually do a deep dive on this one, actually, because... It's a bit complex, and there's a lot of uh, nuances. I mean, there's no way I'm going to be able to cover it all, to be completely honest, because there's so much to go that would I would have to go over. But I would go over the basics of how it works and the structure of it. Um, but getting back to the subject, are emotions logical? And how? How are emotions logical? And the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to take you through what emotions really are and how they work.
versus what most people do is they they tell you this, but they don't you know really explain necessarily why that is. I mean, they do explain it, but they don't know the under, underlying structure of emotion in the first place. And so as a result, they assume that emotions are illogical. So what are emotions, really? So the way that I've explained it on this podcast before is that emotions are implicit statements of what the mind wants slash needs. Um, For instance, like if you get angry... For whatever reason, you know, it could be any reason, right? Your emotions are stating implicitly. Implicitly basically means, um, for those who don't know what that means, implicitly implicitly basically means like something that's not explicitly uh, explained to you. Like what I'm doing here is explicitly explaining to you what emotions are, how emotions are. But emotions are implicit statements of of needs basically uh, implicit um, statements slash requests slash uh, demands for needs to be met basically um, and so emotions are based on a certain framework of logic and the logic is based on your um, foundational sla- uh, f- your foundational understanding assumptions about life and, and stuff like this um, for instance you know give me an example right say you get angry because somebody does something it's because in your mind this thing whatever it is is not something that you sh- somebody should be doing or whatever the case may be and that's because there's a, a need for, you know, the opposite of whatever this thing is. You know, maybe if you if you get angry because somebody is showing off or whatever, or is, uh, is you know, being rude to you at work or whatever, you would prefer him to not be rude. Your, your need would be him for him to not be in your face or be, you know, you know mean or whatever. The need to be nice. Uh, basically so it's all based on your underlying um, needs slash wants slash desires basically the same thing um, with some some minor differences there but so the assumption the uh, not assumption well I guess it kind of is an assumption I guess but it's uh, so the um, thing the thing about this is that it's not just about the need; it's about the uh, expectation of something, and it's about the uh, understandings that create this, like you know, whatever those are. And it's not; it could be as simple as you know this is a nice thing to have. This kind of understanding, this expectation, this need type of thing. Uh, it becomes, it becomes, that's the desire which be, then becomes kind of like a need. Um, 
in my opinion, a need is almost like an automatic form of a desire. Like a need, a desire is like where you desire, like say you might desire ice cream, but you don't necessarily need ice cream, right? But then a, a desire becomes a need when it becomes like really strong and really like becomes something which then creates like an automatic program of like emotion, whatever emotion it is. Uh, especially when that need is not being met. And so like a need for peace and quiet, if, if violated, creates anger, creates upset, creates like anger of, you know, this person is too loud or whatever the case is. And so the anger is expressing a need that's not being met uh, in, a, um, in a very uh, covert way. And this need is is created by the, uh, you know, maybe maybe because you have experiences of, of peace and quiet and you realize how useful that is. But unconsciously, it's usually unconscious too. That's the other thing about need is it's usually very unconscious. Um, but that's another part of this problem as well. Um, but anyways, so you... So as a result, that creates need. So when you realize subconsciously through experience, which then creates understanding that this experience of peace and quiet and you know peace of mind or whatever creates the understanding uh, subconsciously and implicitly that peace and quiet is useful and and even necessary, and so that creates a need of you know peace and quiet. Um, Sometimes the need, too, is it's not always as simple as the pe- the need is is before the emotion. Sometimes the need is a, a spontaneous creation, right? Sometimes what you'll find is that you'll you won't actually need something until you realize that this the absence of this thing or the uh, removal of this thing or whatever the case may be or the uh, changing of this thing or whatever the case is. You know, spontaneously creates the need, but also creates the upset or the anger or the emotion, and then the under- and the understanding that this thing was actually useful, because we took it for granted whatever this thing was that we needed, or at least thought we needed. Um, so basically, emotions are expressing needs, and. The thing to do to become more conscious is to um, try and figure out what the need is in the emotion. Whatever that is. Right? One way of doing this is by doing this ex- the exercise that I explained in one of the other episodes where you, you basically make this this uh, table that says emotions, implicit statements, follow-up thoughts. And uh, indirectly, th- that will lead you to the need. Uh, it's often like the opposite of what the emotion is, or what the implicit statement is. Like, 
innocence, like in a innocence, like uh, you know, ang- I'm angry. This person is being loud or whatever. Need equals need of peace and quiet. And in in order in order to get peace and quiet, based on the understanding of mind, based on the logic of emotion, it creates anger to motivate you to maybe tell this person to be quiet or to motivate you to, you know, move out of the room or whatever. Um, No, I'm not saying that the the emotion is explicitly logical. It's implicitly logical. Um, And there is a big difference, actually, because explicit logic is is very rigid in a lot of cases, very kind of almost dogmatic. Uh, and, and it kind of creates this like super rigid, dogmatic, structural, you know, you know, understanding of reality that's, you know, that makes basically reality look irrational and it makes your mind look irrational, your emotions look irrational. Um, when really the, the logic that you're you're using is rational, it's not. Now, don't get me wrong, there, there are actually very important uses in logic. Um, you know, the explicit logic that is explained and taught and understood. Um, don't, so don't get me wrong there, but the problem isn't the, the explicit logic. The problem is the rigidity of this, this kind of system. Uh, and, it, and it often goes against nature and it goes against what's happening. Like... Um, For instance, like this is, you know, for instance, like you could think of it as like you going down the river, but the logic would say state to get to the destination, you must go down this river to this in this direction. But if the river is flowing in the wrong direction, perhaps you would have to uh, get out of the river and move to the other direction, or move to another river, or just walk there or whatever the case may be which would be actually the logical answer but in, if you use logic in a very rigid way that's not really the solution uh, and so logic in this rigid explicit way which is you know which, what I can kind of see sometimes is actually counter logical because it, it doesn't allow for flowing through life you know like you could think of it almost as like Think of the think of two different different kinds of trees, right? Think of the willow tree. Uh, the willow tree bends in the wind, and is strong enough not to break. But if the you know like another tree, for instance, like an oak or something, or to have, deal with strong winds, it's very rigid, and it would break. If it's if the wind is strong enough. And so one tree is able to deal with life while one is not able to deal with all, deal with all of life. Certain, certain parts of life, but not all of it. Um, and one of those parts is emotion, because emotion does, does go with these flowing, and it does do this flowy thing where it goes with, you know, the flowing aspects of life. And I don't think it's about dis- dismissing logic. I think it's about uh, making logic kind of go with these flowy moments and these flowy situations, which is kind of like more of a stage yellow understanding, you know, spire dynamics. 
the spiral dynamics uh, model is a very interesting example of of this logic actually in, in a lot of ways because it you know like the stage yellow understandings of things if you embody stage yellow is less concerned with dogma and more concerned with you know, systems thinking and, and you know understanding of a uh, true understanding of what's happening as much as possible versus you know like orange and blue and green or whatever which isn't necessarily as concerned with those things uh, and isn't you know as uh, flowy as yellow is and I think turquoise is actually more flowy than than yellow is because turquoise is able to kind of go beyond some of these things even more than yellow does because yellow can kind of find itself uh, not able to flow as much as turquoise can and, and as far as I can tell anyways I mean I could be wrong about that but But anyways, if you want to know more about spiral dynamics, I made an episode about this a while back. Um, you can look up spiral, spiral dynamics on YouTube, find a bunch of videos. So, I think I answered the question, are emotions logical? Pretty, pretty thoroughly. Um, so, I hope you like this episode. And uh, I'll talk to you in the next episode.